Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, is how Hebrews chapter 10 begins. That connects directly back to the 11th chapter where we have observed all of these people of faith who did not look for the reward to come in this life, but they looked upward. They had a faith that did not look for a reward now, look for things in this life to please them now, but they looked forward to the future of what God had promised for them. And I think it is interesting that the picture is is given to us that here are these of faith that it did not matter what they experienced, the amount of rejection, the amount of suffering that they endured from the world. Their witness to us is that the suffering and the rejection and the difficulty is absolutely worth it because of the reward and because of the approval that lies ahead. I love how chapter 11 verse 13 said, All of them died in faith without receiving what was promised. And then those pictured for us then is that this statement that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Which is interesting to me because... I would have expected perhaps verse 1 to say, and now that you've read about these people, follow their example. You know, very succinct, to the point, just do what they did. But notice he doesn't picture it quite like that. While we are to certainly emulate their faith and follow that example, he pictures it as an encouragement. You have all of these people in the past who by faith were able to conquer through the suffering and through the difficulties, and now you are surrounded by them. It's as if they are encouraging you along, that they are pushing you forward and giving you the help and the hope that you need. They have done it, and so you are able to do it as well. And this is what he then goes into in these three verses that we're going to look at this morning. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You will notice that he describes this life, this walk of faith, and this journey with God as a race. The Apostle Paul liked to do that, and now the writer of Hebrews does likewise. The life that you are living is to be looked at as a race. That what you are doing is that you are moving in a race. And he says, in this race, verse 1, you need to run it with endurance. This is not going to be short. It's not going to be easy. But you need to run in such a way that you are going to have endurance. And notice the picture that he then gives is that if this is a race that requires endurance then the first thing that we need to do is he says, lay aside every weight. And if you think about that, that is a a great metaphor, a great picture of what that's supposed to look like. Can you imagine trying to run a marathon 
wearing baggy, heavy jeans, a big old parka, and attaching to yourself all kinds of wrist weights and leg weights and say, now I want you to go run a marathon. Go run 26 plus miles. Go ahead. Just go run the race that's set before you wearing clothing and wearing weights like that. How far are you going to get? <laughs> it's not going to go well. And that's what he's picturing here is when you understand that we are running a race and that the race requires endurance, then the first thing that needs to happen is an examination of our lives to consider what weights are attached to us that are slowing us down and keeping us from running well. What are we carrying that is making this race even more difficult than it needs to be? What are the weights that are slowing us down? What are the weights that are causing the endurance to not be there? And if I had time, I'd say it'd be fun for five minutes for everybody just to sit down and just think about all the weights you're carrying. I gave you space in the bulletin this morning to do that. There's space in there and I wrote burdens and big gap all around. You can just sit there and write down, just think about What are all the things that you are carrying that are slowing you down in this life? And I want you to realize he's not talking about sin yet. Because notice he says, lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely to us. So don't think about your sins yet. I want you to think about things that are not sinful that are slowing you down. Things that are weights. Things that are interfering. Things that are keeping you. From what God has called you to do. I think it is interesting that Jesus even speaks this way of of perhaps some of the most obvious weights that we carry. When he told the parable that we call the parable of the sower. He speaks of one kind of ground. This kind of heart. And he says there as for what was sown among thorns. This is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and proves it unfruitful. You notice he doesn't just simply say, look at all the sins that are committed. But he just says, all the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Just stuff in life. Just think about your schedules. Just think about all the things that you have going on. That are extra burdens and extra weights. Things that weigh us down. And things that keep us from running the race well. As you think about this, I would just hope that you would just consider within your heart. What are the things that are keeping me from a deeper relationship with the Lord? You know, just... Take a Monday, take a Friday, take a Saturday. Just run through it and just think about it. We're not talking about sins. Just weights. Just things that slow you down. Things that keep you from a vibrant relationship with God. Things that keep you from a, a wonderful prayer life. Things that keep you from meditating on God's Word. 
Things that keep you from worship. Things that keep you from studying God's Word. Just think about what are the interferences. That's what he's describing right here. Since this is a race that is calling for our endurance, what is keeping us from a deeper love of Jesus? What is holding us back from that kind of worship that deep within us we want to have? But we allow so many things of life to completely interfere. So many things in our schedule, so many nuisances, wastes of time, things that block, all kinds of things that just get in the way of being able to love God and serve Him the way that we want. One of the things that I think we sometimes ask wrong is when we think about our lives, we will often think about in terms of, well, is what I'm doing a sin? And I would like for you to more think in terms of this running of a race. And rather than just simply asking, is it sinful or is it not, to ask yourself, is this going to help me run the race with God? Is this thing that I'm doing, is this activity I'm in, or the things that I'm spending my my days in, Is this helping me in the race? Is this giving me the endurance that I need? Or am I just putting more weights and more burdens? Do I look like the guy with heavy jeans and a parka wearing weights as I try to run the spiritual race? Or am I I able to cast some of these things off? To just really think about each day of your life. What can I do to get the weights off? And really think about each morning as you get up, what am I going to do to keep those things off of my spiritual life? To keep those burdens away so that I can be focused on truly what matters. And that's a a different answer for everybody. I could stand up here and rail about technology or television or social media or newspapers or all kinds of things that we can engage in. It's, it, it's, it's your heart and your life. What's holding you back from running this race? What's keeping you from being in a, a love and a desire for Jesus that we know that we ought to have? So first, remove the excess baggage. And then he, and the rest of verse 1 And the sin that clings so closely. Not only do we carry baggage and burdens and weights that are not sins, but then to underscore it, when we give our lives over to sin, you are absolutely wrecking your race. Sin definitely will slow you down and keep you from running the race with endurance. When we choose to give ourselves over to a life of sin, there's no way we're going to run well. And that is an important examination that we have to look at. If I'm daily giving myself to a variety of sins on a regular basis, I'm just choosing these sinful activities. Do not be surprised that your faith is failing. Don't be surprised. That you cannot run the race well. He pictures the need for endurance and he even is describing sins as one of the weights that keeps us from running with endurance. That we choose those kinds of actions, we commit those sins, and it's just another weight. And did you catch the wording of it? 
And you look at there in verse 1, the sin which clings so closely. It's just like He knows us, right? (laughs) It's just sitting right there. We keep it so close to us. It's like this backpack of weights that we are carrying. We just keep involving ourselves in the same sins again and again and again. He's saying, throw those things down. Stop doing that. It's destroying your endurance. It's making it impossible for you to run well. Don't hold on to those things. Get rid of the sins in your life that are clinging so closely to you, weighing you down and keeping you from success. I'd like to also look at that idea another way as well. Uh, in, In all the years that I've been teaching I think one of the things that I often hear people describe as part of the weights and the sin that clings so closely to them is carrying guilt from forgiven sins. That's one of those, if I had a dollar for every time. One of the things that it seems that we have the tendency to do as Christians is we will recognize our sins. And we will be sorrowful and we will be truly heart repentant and we will confess those sins to God and God promises that he forgives us of those sins. First John one tells us, but then what do we do? Well, so often for the next day and for the next week and for the next month, we carry the burden of the sins committed in the past. And we keep beating ourselves up for it and we think how unforgiven we are and how terrible we are. And ultimately what we are saying to God is, God, I know you made a promise that you forgive, but I don't believe you. And that's why I carry this guilt. Now, I will strongly establish if you have guilt for unforgiven sins, God wants you to carry that. God put that there for a reason. That's intended to poke you so that you will come to him and that you will return your life to him and follow him again with all of your heart. But we aren't supposed to be carrying the weight and the guilt and the burden of forgiven sins. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And yet so often we can drag ourselves down into the mud thinking, well, God can't forgive me. And if you think your sins are too great to be forgiven, you haven't read much of the scriptures about people and what sins God forgave. You haven't read about how God has forgiven murderers and adulterers and all kinds of things like that. You haven't read 1 Corinthians 6 where here the apostle Paul speaks of, and such were some of you, and he just delineates all kinds of sins that they used to commit. But now you are washed. Now you are sanctified. Now you're justified. It's important that we don't allow past sins that have been forgiven, that we have honestly and truly repented to God for, be yet another burden that we're dragging in this race that we're supposed to run with endurance. Cast aside all the weights. And just think in your life of what is slowing you down. What are the weights that you are carrying? What are the sins? What are the non-sins? And just move through those burdens. 
and pay special attention to what you can do to remove that from your life so that you can run this race that God has called you to run. Fascinating picture to me that after describing these people of faith and all that they endured, his first admonition now after describing these cloud of witnesses that surround us, he says, so think about what weights you're carrying. What's holding you back? What's slowing you down from running the race that God wants you to run? You will notice second, he gives us another picture of what we are supposed to do. Verse 1 says, to run with endurance by setting aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And then in verse 2, he says, we run with endurance by looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith. If we are going to run well, first cast off the things that are slowing you down and then put your eyes on the right thing. If we are going to be successful in running this race with endurance, the writer of Hebrews says you need to have a laser-like focus on Jesus. You need to put your eyes on Him. And that means that we have to ask ourselves, what's the focus in life? What are you looking at? What is your priority? What do you place your eyes on? Because if we're going to run this race with endurance, it will be impossible for us to run it well if we live our lives looking at everything else and everyone else but Jesus. As I thought about this, to me, it was quite interesting because as I think about my life, I get distracted really, really easily. Things catch my attention out of the corner of my eye. I walk into one room to do something, something distracts me, and I forgot what I was in the room for. I have literally filled up cups of soda, left it on the counter, walked back into my office, and completely forgot that the whole reason I was in the kitchen in the first place was the soda, which is still sitting there hours later. I I get distracted. This is the thing that the writer of Hebrews is bringing up. You cannot allow your spiritual race to become distracted by everything else that is going around on us. We can't be looking at everything else. There must be a focus upon Jesus. And it is so easy for us to focus on other things and other people. In fact, as I thought about this distraction, how easy it is for us to be distracted by the things we just talked about in verse 1. All of the weights and all the burdens and all the things that are not necessarily sins, but we have them attached to us. All the things that interfere and we just focus on them. We focus on the day to day. We focus on the here and now. We focus on those kinds of things. And not only do they become burdens and weights, but they distract us from placing our eyes on Jesus. And so he's giving us a picture here that our faith is absolutely going to fail. If we place our attention on other things or other people. 
And I think the reason why that is just so important for us to think about is because what we focus on really dictates a lot about what is going to happen and how our lives go. It makes a really big difference. Notice how it's described regarding Jesus. In verse 2 it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and disregarded its shame. What does Jesus focus on to be able to get through all that is in front of him, all that he knows that he's going to have to endure. He knows that he's going to be rejected. He knows his closest companion, Judas, is going to betray him. He knows that his disciples are all going to forsake him and leave him, that he's going to be alone in those darkest hours. How is he going to get through that? How does he endure the cross and disregard its shame? Did he focus on the cross? Did he focus on how the disciples were all going to leave him? Did he focus on how they were complete failures throughout all that? Did he focus on how everybody was letting him down? Did he focus on how people misconstrued his teachings? Did he focus on how he would tell parables and people would walk away? He focused on the joy that was set before him. That's an important declaration. What Jesus does is does not focus on all the things that were going on in his earthly life. He doesn't focus on what everybody is doing and how they're failing or whatever they're doing. He says that to get through that, he focused on the joy that was set before him. Which if you think about it from two weeks ago when we did Hebrews 11... What did it say all those people were doing also? Were they looking for fulfillment in this life? Were they looking for the promises in this life? Were they looking for satisfaction in this life? No, as we noted, they all died in faith, not receiving what had been promised. Not a single one of them was looking for the answers in this life. Not a single one of them was focused on the things of this life. Not a single one of them was focused on the people in their lives. They were looking forward to the joy that was before them. And Jesus exemplifies that as well as that just as they did, Jesus is the perfect model of what a walk of faith looks like, of how to run with endurance, is that we look to the joy that is set before us. It tells us that what we focus on matters. It tells us that what we focus on matters. If we focus on what other people do, our faith is going to fail. If we focus on other things, our faith is going to fail. There is only one focus that we can have. That is going to allow our faith to succeed so that we run with endurance. And that's a focus on Jesus. But when we are distracted by the things of this life. And we are distracted by others. And we are distracted by our weights and our schedules and our burdens. Then our faith is absolutely going to fail. What we focus on 
we, we've all experienced this. But what we focus on is what we end up getting more of. Have you ever noticed that? I had to figure this out the hard way with all of my difficulties and my upbringing and childhood and divorced parents and chaos and stuff. If you focus on all your problems in your life, do you know what you only see? You only see all the problems in your life. You don't see anything else. If that's all you focus on is how everybody is terrible to you, then what do you only see? Everybody's terrible to you. If you focus on how everything is bad in your life, then guess what you only see? Only the bad things in your life. We know this. We do this. We go through this where we experience those kinds of ups and downs. When we focus on all of our hurts, then all we do is, is feel and see the pain and suffering every day. There is something precious about what Jesus is doing by not focusing on the cross and all of its negative impact or the shame that was going to come or the rejection or the betrayal to focus on what really mattered. The joy that's set before. I would suppose if we all took a blind survey and wrote down on pieces of paper all the terrible things that we have probably all experienced in our lives. And all the hurts and all the disappointments and all the brokenness and all the letdowns. We'd probably fill a nice big book of all the shared experiences of terrible things that we've all gone through. And I hope that we realize that that targets verse 1. These are often weights that we carry that keep us from running well. We're looking at the wrong thing in this life. We're not looking to Jesus. And what we focus on absolutely will set the course in this life. And I think this is ultimately part of the problem. Let me ask it this way. Do we look at what lies ahead as the greatest joy? This promise that God has made of an eternity with Him, do we have our hearts set on that as our greatest joy? You see, that's what Jesus is doing. What's the great joy? The the joy that is set before him. And notice it's realized as it's described in verse 2, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. What he focused on was realized. I am focusing on the joy that is set before me. Therefore, I will go through the difficulties that God has for me so that I can enjoy what God has promised. But you see, what has to happen in our hearts is that we have to see the future joy as our greatest desire. Because if our greatest desire is right here and right now, then I'm not going to set my heart on that. I'm going to set my heart on my stuff and my riches and my things and my work and all the things that we carry as weights and burdens in this life. Jesus has to be the greatest desire. He has to be the great joy that lies ahead if we are going to run with endurance. 
The moment we set our hearts on things of this life, the moment we set our hearts on the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches or what others are doing or what they're not doing or what life is doing to me or what life is not doing to me, we lose sight of the joy that lies ahead. We focus here, faith fails. And that's what he's trying to tell us here. If you want to run with endurance, your eyes must be set on Jesus. And what are we supposed to see when we look at him? See how he saw the joy that lied ahead? See how he endured? See what he accomplished? And see that we can do the exact same thing. In fact, I love verse 3. See if you catch what the writer does in verse 3. Consider him, speaking of Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Did you catch that? The front part we've got, right? Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Right? Yeah, he did. Look at all that he went through. Remember it every Sunday morning. We think about what Jesus went through. Look at what he endured. Look at what he suffered. Look at the hostility. Look at how it all happened to him. But did you catch the back half of that sentence? Why did he endure such hostility from sinners? Verse 3. So that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The reason he endured what he endured so that you and I would give up. He goes to the cross and endures shame, mockery, and insult, and pain, and suffering, and death so that we wouldn't give up. So that we would run with endurance. That we would look to Jesus and see the whole reason He did that was not for His own benefit. That wasn't for His good. That didn't help Him out any. It was for our good. He goes to the cross and endures that hostility so that we would refuse to never give up. We don't want to ever give up. We look at the cross and go, I'm not giving up. Every time we see the cross, we're supposed to say, I'm not going to give up. I can't give up. Look at what He did. I refuse to give up. I'm not going to grow weary. And I want us to see that ultimately what Jesus is wanting for us to do is have this burden-free faith. He ultimately is just boiling it down in these three sentences to just simply say, I want you to run with endurance. And you can do it. You can run this race with endurance. It is not impossible. It is something you can do, but understand it is not... Well, I was going to say a 40-yard sprint, but that gassed me completely. It's not a like you know one-yard sprint. <laughs> it is a marathon. It is a race that requires endurance. 
So what weights are you carrying? What sins are slowing you down? What burdens are attached to you? And cast them off to run the race. Put your eyes on Jesus and see the joy that lies ahead. An eternity with Him. And never forget that when we come to the table and we remember this sacrifice and every time we think about our Lord and we think about the suffering and we think about the shame and we think about the cross, just remember, He did that so you will not give up today. And when you think about it on Tuesday, He he did that so you won't give up on Tuesday either. Or Friday. Or any day that you have where the burdens and the weights and the pains and the suffering and the difficulties are piling down. He says, cast those things off. Put your eyes on Jesus. And don't forget, He did all this so that you will not give up. This whole book has been about having the endurance to run the race of faith. And now you see the writer comes to these powerful conclusions. And please consider that what we are being asked to do is exactly what all the people of faith in chapter 11 did. They cast off the weights. They threw aside the burdens. They cast off sin that clung so closely. And they put their eyes on the joy that is set before them. I want to encourage you this morning that you can do the same. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I feel like it is so easy for us to run this race carrying everything in this life but what we need. Sometimes, Lord, it feels like we are carrying burdens that are too heavy to bear. We carry too much in this life that we feel like that we are crushed, that we are fallen on the ground, and sometimes feel like it is impossible to get up. Lord, I pray that what we have read this morning will encourage our hearts. to see that there are so many things that we often carry as burdens that we do not need in our lives. So many things in our past, so many things in our present, and so many things in our future that we think about and worry about that are just not necessary for running this race. Lord, we pray for a greater faith to see you and to stop trusting in the things of this world. We pray for a greater faith to stop relying upon the things of this life and stop putting such great importance on these weights and burdens that we carry. Lord, give us the strength to cast off sin. Give us the strength to throw aside the things that are slowing us down. Give us the courage that we need to keep our eyes on you and run the race that is before us. Most importantly, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice that encourages us to not give up.
May we not give up. May we press on to the prize and the joy that is set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing an invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus. If you are ready to cast off sin, cast off burdens, cast off the weights, and you are not a follower of Jesus, we want to help you today. We want you to turn away from sin and cast off those things and declare today you're going to follow Jesus with all of your heart. You're going to keep your eyes on Him. Confess Him to be the Son of God who died for your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. We want to help you in that water. If you are a Christian, you've already done those things. You've already confessed Jesus. You've already repented. You've already been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. But you have allowed your life to be completely burdened down. Not only do we encourage you to examine your life and cast off the burdens, but guess what? We're here to help each other in that. One of the great blessings we have is we are told to bear one another's burdens. We want to help you in your journey with God. We want to help you in your walk of faith. If we can help you in any way, won't you let us know? Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?